Welcome to film class where we waste $150,000 on an education we could have got for $1.50 in late fees at the public library. That's a quote from today's film, isn't it? It is. Today's film is Goodwill Hunting. I can't believe I've never seen this film. I can't believe you've never seen this I film. I like to think of myself as knowing everything about pop culture yeah. and such a know-it-all. And I think maybe I deliberately avoided this film when it came out because it just didn't seem interesting to me. Well, I find it quite amusing that it's just not interesting to you because obviously it's about someone at MIT, the biggest engineering and maths institute in the world, and quite obviously the PhD in English literature did not find Goodwill Hunting as interesting as the <laughs> physics degree holder. What a surprise. Well, I think what I really remember about, because this film was big at the time, right? It was big in like the late 90s. It was a big success. And what I remember most about it was that it was how Matt Damon and Ben Affleck became super famous, right? Because they wrote it together. Mm-hmm. I do remember there being the whole scandal, the idea they didn't actually write the film. Have you heard about all this controversy? So they basically, when they were undergrads, they supposedly wrote it together. I think Matt Damon wrote most of it. They shopped it around and originally it was a thriller about this kid who the government are trying to recruit into the government. And it had scenes with a therapist. And as they were shopping it around, they basically realised the interesting parts were the bits with the therapist. So they rewrote it all and made it more of a character study as it is now. Mm. Had a bit of a bidding war, I think. And then William Goldman, who's a very famous screenwriter, came across his table and he read it. And the rumours were that he actually wrote the film, not these two young people no one had heard of. Mm. So there was a lot of controversy because I, I believe they won the Oscar for like best screenplay for this film. So mm-hmm. they were Oscar winners because of it. Which is quite unusual, isn't it, for Hollywood film stars to have got their start with a really successful screenplay. Yeah. It's quite an unusual beginning story, I guess. Yeah. I do believe they wrote it, because I don't think that I've seen other William Goldman films that doesn't really have his voice. He's more, he's sharp. This is quite, a, I want to say wholesome, but quite a sincere film, isn't it? Mm. And it does feel to me like a film that two young lads in their like early 20s would have wrote. I think Matt Damon, I don't think I've ever seen him better in a film, I have to say. Full disclosure, I watched an hour of this film and stopped watching it because I was bored. And I was like, I don't understand where's the teaching like what am I going to talk about and then I forced myself to finish it and I ended up actually enjoying the film quite a lot and thinking about it a lot he's a janitor at this university and he's quite clearly one of the smartest people that are in that building but he's not a student and when that's realized the professor turns tries to turn his life around meets with him once a week he is clearly smarter than the professor who is trying to help him but it turns out that he's actually helping the professor with uh, these mathematical problems and it's just his pure disinterest to not be a student Matt Damon's character Mm. Will does not want to be back at school he doesn't want a great job he sees a negative point in every single high position job that the professor is trying to put him into eventually they turn things around for him and, you know, he he sees the value in education. He sees the value of actually putting his intelligence to, to good use, even though he doesn't go back to school. And- that's it, such an interesting take, though, because that's not what I took away from it at all. And I guess we'll come to that when we get to the end, because I think it ends ambiguously. I'm not saying your take is wrong. It's just I think it will be intriguing to find out where our readings diverge, mm. uh, because I think it, it is an interesting comparison with educating Rita, because you're right. It's about someone who's outside the traditional university education system. But unlike Rita, he doesn't want to be an insider. He has no interest whatsoever mm. in the university as an institution. Or so he claims. And yet as Stellan Skarsgård's, his character says to him, well, you say you have no interest, but why did you get a job as a janitor in this specific institution? Yeah. Right. Why were you going around at night solving these problems? So actually a part of him really is desiring this, but he's almost 
gaslit himself into thinking that he doesn't want to right mm. he doesn't want to educate himself i'm surprised that the professor doesn't see how broken he is because clearly he he's been put into the system he's been in foster care he finds it difficult to get close to people he definitely finds it difficult to trust people and yet the professor seems oblivious to it we've come so far in terms of safeguarding and emotional intelligence in our profession that it, it strikes me as odd that he doesn't get it. I think it's because his character is intimidating, right? He's intimidating because he's intellectually superior to him, but he's also aggressive, right? He gets arrested for beating people up. He has a bit of a rap sheet. He's quite an angry, violent young man. Mm. And those are the people that get their mental health issues are often missed, right? Because they're seen as aggressive and scary, mm. not as vulnerable and in need of help, mm. right? He's not an obvious person in distress, even yeah. though you're right. A perceptive person, an emotionally intelligent person, like Robin Williams' character, sees through that immediately. Yeah. I guess um, my favourite scene, actually, that shows everything that you've just said about Will's character. You know, when they're in the bar... And that other group of guys tries to shame Ben Affleck's character by putting forward a history question. Yes. Like, so what, what's your opinion on this? And then Matt Damon cuts in and then he goes, well, this is what my opinion is, which then you're going to re retract with this. And then you're going to, I'm going to say this and you're going to say that. And then we're just going to end up here forever talking about this, this and this. And he's just shut down completely. And he was like, rather than trying to embarrass my friend with your intellect, why don't you run along? And in the end, he gets the girls, Matt Damon gets the girl's number, doesn't he? Yeah, this is the first of several really good monologues yeah. in this film, which is quite unusual in a modern film to have a character as if in a theatre production, like monologuing, yeah. right? And it is also the one of the scenes that really struck me watching it because... If I know the person that he's talking to, I've met that person yeah. so many I think times. <laughs> You'd meet that person at university, right? And yeah. especially if you go into like the grad student level, yeah. you meet this person who is just so pompous and just so wants to arrogant. and uses their knowledge, I guess, as a kind of weapon and a shield to prevent them from ever being really questioned yeah. or really having a dialogue. They just want to splur out all this stuff they know to, to kind of intimidate other people. Yeah. And he has and he cuts through all of that bullshit immediately. But I also think the way that he is in that scene is one of the reasons why I, I, I haven't ever watched this film before, because this film does give me a big kind of bro-y energy, right? Even though it's about a really clever kid, it has this quite like macho kind of, because they became part of young Hollywood, right? And they became like the young rat pack of Hollywood at the time. And I just don't, I'm not into that kind of energy. So I kind of stayed away from it. I also know the Matt Damon character. I've definitely met quite a few, and it's almost always young men in my life who haven't gone into further education, who are really intelligent, but because they haven't gone into education, they, they see themselves, they position themselves as being outsiders and edgy and mm. dismissive of anything to do with university or anything like that and yet also desperately want to participate in education mm. i've definitely met i can think of some people like will hunting that i've met before i think and it's a very specific kind of personality of someone who knows they're smart but also knows they're an underachiever mm. and kind of resents that but doesn't have to fix it so we have so we've talked about the fact he's a janitor he's really smart he solves this supposedly impossible math problem and then doesn't cop to having, having solved it. So it's a bit of a mystery for the professorial character. So he he's kind of roaming around Boston. And Boston, this is a real, this is one of those films where the sense of place is really sharp because of the Boston accent, right? Which I have a theory. I think the Boston accent is to America what the Brummie accent is to the UK. It's like the accent that all other Americans don't like. And they see it as being 
unpleasant sounding and lower class. But as Brummies, we know, right, our accent is definitely like seen as the ugliest accent. And I feel like Boston, people in Boston are our kindred spirits, maybe because if you think about it, Boston's got a very strong Irish presence and you can hear it in the accents. Sometimes when they were speaking, it made me think of my granddad a little bit. I enjoyed seeing a film with this accent, because I do, I think because of, I feel there is a kindred spirit. I think it's mm. it's pleasant to hear to me. I support the Boston accent. I did find the fight scene that comes before the scene you were talking about really funny, just like unintentionally funny because it's all in this weird slow motion. Mm. <laughs> but it looked like, I'm sure it wasn't, it looked like they hadn't actually put the footage in slow motion, but they were acting in slow motion. Oh yeah, so that they didn't actually punch the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah. It really looked like they were doing that thing where you pretend you're fighting in slow-mo when you're mm. a kid. A running thing for me, we did discuss this slightly in a previous episode, I don't believe that maths in films is real because I don't understand it. So you know when he's doing the thing, to me it just looked like he was drawing Christmas trees. I would like to be able to confirm that it's real, however, it has been a number of years. I'm not a newly qualified teacher, it's been a while since I've been at university. The highest level of physics and maths that I've taught is A-level. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I've forgotten all my degree stuff, and but I don't think that's untrue of a lot of us teachers. You know, you're still fresh out of uni, fresh out of your degree. For you, your content isn't forgettable, is it? Whereas, for example, I don't have to teach quantum mechanics unless I sat down and I, I understand quantum mechanics, but unless I sat down and studied it, if someone posed a mathematical expression to me, similar to the ones that you were seeing on the screen whilst watching Good Will Hunting, I would definitely need to go back and do a little bit of a refresher before confirming the accuracy of it. Is this your long-winded way of saying to you it also looked like he was just drawing Christmas <laughs> yes. I just wanted one character one time to go up to him as he was doing that very intensely and be like, that is a really good Christmas tree, well done. Like, <laughs> just, that would have been a funny moment, but you know. We also should probably talk about Minnie Driver, who is in this film. Her character epitomises what I hate in a lot of screenwriting by men which is that she's very charming in the film. She's got a great screen presence, but her character is just nothing. Like there is, She has no personality other than she loves Matt Damon's character. That is literally it. She has no purpose in this film, no internal life, nothing other than she likes him. I do, I do like a couple of the scenes that she's in, especially like, you know, when they're in the joke shop and um, she's quantifying her education in she's monetizing her education right so i did like that line and so she ended up saying that my brain is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. yeah i did like that her brain when she got so she's going to harvard or she is at harvard right mm-hmm. she's at a different uni and she says by the time she's graduated her brain is going to be worth 250k because of all the the high value education that's been funneled into it mm-hmm. so that you i do that that is a good point because i do like the contrast between them if she's someone who is from a different background wealthier more privilege and understands the education system and is happy existing within it mm. whereas he's an autodidact right he's taught himself and he's very anti the education system mm. and I, it's interesting to me because you said earlier you interpret the film to be by the end of it he's kind of learned the value of existing in that system and i don't see it that way at all actually okay. but if we read her as the embodiment of the official education system because you know she says that her brain has been created by it. He does go to her at the end of the film. But this, he? that was my point because I, I feel like that's what she he was rejecting about her in the middle when she's like, "I love you, just tell me that you love me," mm. and he's like, "I don't love you," and then he lets her go. I felt like that was his way of saying, "I don't value everything that you're about." But at the end, he does go to her, and I think that that's him accepting there is value to 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 having that education. So we're saying she's not really a person, which I guess ties into my feeling that she's not really a character at all. 
it's just Minnie Driver being charming. She's really a symbol of the education system. When it's done in the most traditional sense, because he's obviously not the most traditional, well, he's not the traditional student, is he? I wanted to ask you. Go on. How much is your brain worth? Okay, so let's calculate. Is this complicated maths? Do we need to put the meme now of you trying to do complicated Well, okay, let's put it this way. I went to university for two years and dropped out, for which I still owe like nine grand, which has never gone up or down. It just stays as it is. Okay. I then did an OU degree that I paid for myself when the, before the tuition fee increased. I was lucky to get in. My whole degree with the OU cost me, I think, maybe like six grand. Okay. And I paid it all myself okay. working. So that's six grand, let's say. So, so that's six, 15 grand. That's 15. I then paid uh, nine grand to do a master's, which I also paid for myself. And then I got funding for a PhD, got a, a kind of stipend per year, 17K a year. Yeah, that was money for myself, years. times three. So now 53 plus all my uni fees were paid for. My uni fees, so nine times three, it's 27. 102. Let's probably add an extra 10 because if you factor in all the books that I bought over the years, all the conferences that were paid for through funding that I either organised or attended, that's, in fact, to be fair, that's probably at least five grand. If you add in, I went to Lisbon for a conference that was all paid for by, by funding. I organised a conference that was all paid for by funding at Birmingham. I attended several other conferences around the country that were all paid for. So that's, that's probably under the 5k. Do you want to add on our compulsory education as well? Because the government at the moment, the current rate at the moment is about 10 grand per student. So the government will give each school £10,000 per student. So if we Seven keep years that, in secondary school, yeah. that's 70 grand. After the age of 11, you're to this very day. Are you paying anything for Teach First? So Teach First, I'm also being paid, aren't I, to do training. 18 and now in my NQT year, still doing Teach First, 26. Wow. Your education since the age of 11 is £226,000. So actually not far from Mini Driver's private education. I feel so expensive right now. It's your PhD that's bumped it up to be so high. Mm -hmm. But pre-PhD, you did pay for everything yourself. Mm -hmm. Was it worth it? Oh, absolutely. I, I have no regrets whatsoever. But I was much more of a reader in that I really did pursue education for education's sake. I just wanted to know stuff and I just knew that I enjoyed analysing things, I enjoyed reading things and it was purely selfish. I just wanted to be more educated mm -hmm. and I just enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So I never did it for a vocation or training. I had a kind of vague idea I'd like to be a university lecturer but soon realised once I was in that kind of space that it wasn't a job I think I would have enjoyed mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. There was that kind of vague end point. But it was literally just to see how far I could go. It was purely selfish. It was purely, can I actually get paid for a PhD? Because I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been paid. Mm. So yeah, I have no regrets. I, I think it's, I mm. definitely appreciate all of my education. But I guess the way that Minnie Driver sees it, I, I'm not sure I interpret her as the symbol of the good of the education system, right? If anything, it's more so she sees it in quite a glib way as just look how much money's been funneled into my brain and what am I really doing with that? This film, I think, it's like the more I thought about it, the more interesting it became to me because this film is really about not just what is the purpose of being educated, it's also what's the purpose of life. It really is quite philosophical, I think. Why are you alive? Why do you want to be here? What do you want to contribute to the world? So Will's kind of decided he's checked out of life, hasn't he? He doesn't really see himself as having a purpose. He doesn't see his brain as a common good, does he? He doesn't he's have a drive, does he? No, he's unusually intelligent. I keep saying Stellan Skarsgård because I like saying the name. His name is Jerry, isn't it? Jerry Lambeau, the professor. He's, he sees it as almost a responsibility that he has, doesn't he? That he's so intelligent that he owes society the gift of his brain and to solve these problems that could lead to advancement. Mm. And Will doesn't see value in that. He's very cynical, isn't he? And he's mm. difficult to get to know. 
So one of the things that he does, the uh, Jerry, he he says that he bails him out because we see him in the court scene monologuing again about how unjust it is that he's going to be put in jail. He so he bails him out, but he says the condition is he has to take lessons mm. and he has to have therapy, which I think is actually very forward thinking. Yeah. I think I like that he's not thought, a punishment, is it? No, he thought about his mental health and this might be difficult for him, which I think is quite perceptive of him, which is surprising given what happens later. I think and so his therapist is Sean, is Robin Williams's character. Yeah. Robin Williams really made me feel sad in this film. I think this is such an interesting performance from him because it's so unusual because he's such a manic presence normally. And you get a little bit of that in the anecdote he tells about the football scene where he went on the date with his girlfriend yeah. when he gets really hype about it. But he, he had, there's a real sadness about him in this film, which given yeah. what we know about how his life ended, I feel like he was maybe drawing on some of those experiences. He really does seem like quite a defeated... You know, he's a character who's grieving his knees, grieving his dead wife. Mm. And he really does exude this sadness about him that felt very real to me, like a bit too real, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do get what you mean. And again, when when we talked about Dead Poets Society and you said that it was one of his more serious films that you'd seen, I think he's a lot more serious in this one. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's, he's a very sober character. Who I tried not of... to give away too much when we were watching Dead Poets Society mm-hmm. because I knew you hadn't seen Good Will Hunting. But... For me, the emotions that come through from Robin Williams, it really hits home in terms of it's so well played. Mm-hmm. No, um, it is. It's a really, really good performance. He's because he's angry with Will. He gets very angry with him in their first meeting, doesn't he? He grabs him by the throat mm. because Will Will pushes people away, doesn't he? He's a classic mm. example of a damaged person who doesn't want to get close to other people, and so he he insults them or he he finds their button that he can press and he presses it and he he works out quite quickly that Sean's button is his dead wife, right? Mm. So he presses that button over and over until Sean grabs him by the throat, says, never talk about my wife again. Mm. And yet, although they're being really hostile with each other, they're clearly drawn to each other. Yeah, because Professor Lambeau comes in after that first meeting and he says, if you don't want to see him again, I understand, because he can see that he's distressed by that meeting mm-hmm. and clearly his buttons have been pressed. But he says, no, Thursday, four o'clock, make sure he's here. And that next meeting, he doesn't have it in the office, does he? He takes him out and... It's not about Will, it's about him. He sits there and he basically tells his story, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I get one of the th- in that office scene, one of the things that I really liked about it was the way you can see Will almost pacing like a trapped animal, right? And he's looking at all this man's stuff. He's looking at his paintings, he's looking at his books. It's not his safe space, is it? No, and he's and he's trying to he's trying to pick at anything. So he's slagging off his painting, he's slagging off his books, he's he's trying to work out. You can see here he really is abusing his intelligence and his perceptiveness. He can tell a lot about a person from what he sees, and he's doing that to hurt them, isn't mm. he? So he can tell a lot about the paintings. Push him away basically, yeah. because he doesn't want he doesn't want to be helped, does he? He doesn't want to have whatever they've got to offer. He doesn't want Professor Lambeau's help. He doesn't want Sean's help. He doesn't want, you know, his friend's help. Later on, we see when Ben Affleck is basically telling him that he's he's going to disown him if 20 years later he's still working at the construction site. So, you know, he throughout the film, he makes it very clear he feels worthless and he doesn't want anyone to give him any sense of worth. Yeah, and I think that's the insight you can take from the song because, again, I know people quite people who are quite close to me who are very similar to this, who are very angry people, very angry young men who are damaged and who are disaffected. Mm. And you really see in this film that that does come from a place of damage and you have to look past that behaviour. Mm. But it's hard, right? And Sean, in that first scene, doesn't. Mm. right? He get he, he does hit his buttons. He does wind them up. Because it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because we all have those trigger points and we all have those soft spots that yeah. we don't want other people to get near. And even if you know that someone is being manipulative, it's an emotional reflex. You can't 
stop yourself from doing it. Yeah. So even though Sean's very emotionally intelligent, grief is too overpowering for him to not respond. But part of me also thinks that students are not always aware that we are human beings that also have other things outside of that moment with them going on. Mm-hmm. I think students compartmentalise our interaction with them as that's the only thing that happens in our day. That 50 minutes when they're in our lesson, that's what our life is, those moments with them. Mm-hmm. They forget that actually we have relationships with other students. We have relationships with staff within the school. We also have relationships and things going on outside of the school. That goes back to, do you remember when we talked about it in Mean Girls? Seeing teachers outside of school is a big thing because you don't realise that they do leave the school site. And sometimes those pushing of the buttons is unintentional for those students. They are just doing what they think is funny to them. Not realising that actually beneath this facade that we have on, you know, on the exterior, that there are real things going on underneath. When you are in that teacher persona and you're in that position, what a lot of kids are responding to isn't actually you. It's just a, the, the adult in the room who is there to make them do the stuff they don't want to do, yeah. right? And so that, and it's really hard to not take it personally. Maybe a more effective approach would be for us to introduce our more human size, to be more human, to be yeah. more open, be more vulnerable. And that's what he does, doesn't he? When he takes him to the park, he takes him to a very neutral area. It's not his safe space. It's not Will's safe space. Um, it's very neutral to them both. Yeah. He tells them his story and he says, you know, you can't look at that painting and think that you know everything about me. Similarly, I know you're an orphan, but I'm not going to read you like Oliver Twist. But this is the scene that I, re- I switched where I realised I actually was enjoying the film because yeah. I, I realised where it was going. And I think it's also when you realise that it is a film about teaching, but it's a film about teaching emotional intelligence. Yes. And actually being a better human being, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a traditional, really, it's almost entirely pastoral, I guess, if we want to frame Absolutely. it that way. Absolutely. He's definitely one of the learning mentors. He's ahead of year. He's not He's not Professor Lambo. He's not our classroom teacher where he's teaching from the front, right? Yeah, and it's where you see the, the real importance of that relationship and that it, this is a film, really, I guess you could read it as about the importance of pastoral care. Lambo hadn't realised that he would need a therapist to help him through this process. If he just taught him it wouldn't have worked, right? The whole process would have crashed and burned mm. because he was too damaged and too opposed to anyone telling him anything that it wouldn't have functioned. There's a scene where there's a more senior professor challenging his work and he's like, it's right, my work's right. Will Will is adamant that his work's right. It doesn't need to be checked. He's far more superior than any of the professors. There's also a scene that makes me laugh a little bit. So Professor Lambeau has this assistant I'm guessing it would be a PhD student or a grad student. When Professor Lambo is actually gushing over Will's work, the assistant is quite clearly jealous. I feel like he feels that Will is taking his spot. Even though he doesn't have very many lines, you can see his aggression towards Will develop throughout the film. And he almost seems a little bit relieved when you know the film's coming to an end and Will is soon to be out of the picture. What did you think about that? I guess he represents, this is a very intelligent outsider to this institution, right? And he's jumped the traditional hierarchy, hasn't he? He's not a grad student. Yeah. He hasn't got a degree. We don't yeah. think he doesn't see He's a see janitor. Him. He's a janitor. And so that... He didn't that, finish high school. Right. So that's the that's someone within the institution who's done all the right things, being very threatened by this intelligent outsider, isn't it? Yeah. It's the threat of undereducated autodidact yeah. who actually knows more than you do. Yeah. And it's going to be a prick about it as well. He's very interesting of Will. I've definitely seen those types as well. The, the head teacher's right-hand man who feels really rejected when a new assistant head comes along and impresses the head teacher and 
eventually. Well, because that's the th- well, that's the thing about education systems, isn't it? Is they are like all of our systems, almost always, they're hierarchies, right? Mm-hmm. And that is what I don't think Will learns to accept. He doesn't become a professor. He doesn't become an adjunct. Ambiguous as to whether or not he's going to pursue university education. What we do know he pursues is romance with Minnie Driver's character, right? Mm -hmm. So I I actually don't see it as he learns the value of education at all. I think he learns the value of not being such an arsehole to people because that's what really Sean is trying to educate him, isn't he? You have all of this intelligence and you have a choice as to what to do. You can use it to perceive things about others and treat them better Mm. or you can belittle them at every opportunity and make them feel like shit, which is what he does for most of the film. Yeah. And by the end of the film, he kind of learns that actually he has a responsibility to use that to not be an arrogant asshole. Yeah. And that's what I interpret it as. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's really important as whether or not he does go on to teach maths or or discover amazing things like he's going to be the new Einstein. Because did you notice that moment where? There's a comparison made between Will and Einstein, right? Yeah. Einstein was also this outsider who was brilliant and, you know, decided to better mankind by using that intelligence, yeah. even though he was an outsider. But then Sean gives the counter example of, oh, there's another really intelligent outsider we can discuss, the Unabomber, right? Who did not use his intelligence very well and in fact became a terrorist. What Stellan Skarsgård is trying to get him to do is to function in the university, right? And to, to become the next professor. Are you telling me? If you had a student who didn't care for literature, but clearly had the ability to read something and see beyond the words, that you wouldn't encourage them to pursue your subject. I don't think that's what the film is saying, though. Him learning the value of learning maths. He already knows everything. He's presented as someone who knows everything. What they're saying, really, is he has a duty to allow people to learn from him, aren't they? He's not someone who needs to be educated any further, as far as we see him. He goes to that interview, doesn't he? he so the question the question that I think is really interesting about this film is, what are you going to do with your talents and your gifts, right? Mm. What are you go- What purpose is, is, are you going to have in on this earth? And so we go to the NSA interview, right? So yeah. one option for him is he works for the government and he has that other monologue about, okay, if I join this institution, what's actually going to, what's going to be the net result of this? Well, it's going to be bloodshed and pain probably i'm probably going to become implicated in the american military industrial complex and i don't want to provide my labor to that system mm-hmm. so he's he's learning a sense of morale although he presents himself as being amoral and unthinking and arrogant he actually has a very strong sense of morality right mm-hmm. and what he doesn't do by the end is do what's what lambo wants him to do which is continue to participate in this education at mit he leaves right mm. he actually rejects the university system so i do think this is a film that is quite cynical about the value of university education i do i th- i think that is something that's embedded in it because sean justified when sean is called a failure for not pursuing this big glossy academic career he he calls him an arrogant prick and he says this was a conscious choice i made that that's not something you wanted to do and he actually has much more a sense of value and purpose working in this community college probably from way less money and with way less esteem and he thinks that that actually is a noble choice. And it ties, I think, into when uh, Will is talking about there's actually honour in being a cleaner, there's honour in fixing someone's car, there's honour in those jobs because they have a utility and a purpose and someone's life is demonstrably improved by cleaning, for example, or by fixing their car. And Sean's pushback is yes, but you have you could do something much more significant because of your potential right but i still think the the point that he's making still stands which is that what really has value is something that leads to the betterment of life for someone other than yourself and i don't think the film suggests 
that having an academic university career does that. I have nothing to say to that other than you're right. I really liked this film. I think by the end of it, I think it's a much more interesting film than I realised it was going to be. And even that the first hour suggested it was because it really does lead to you thinking about what is the purpose of your life? What, why, why are you doing the things that you're doing? It encourages you to think about that. What do you really value in life? What do you really want to do? I'm a bit iffy on the fact that what he decides to value is Mini Driver and having just a relationship with her. It is a naff Hollywood conclusion, but I think what Will's then decided is that he's got a brain and he can learn whatever he needs to learn for whatever job he chooses to do from a book that he can pick up from the library. But that relationship that he's got with Mini Driver, he's not had with anyone else before and she actually wants him, she's valued him, she's seen him as a person. Yeah. She's, she's not just interested in his brain, she's interested in the whole of him, whereas Professor Lambeau just wanted his intelligence and nobody has holistically, through the film, wanted the whole of him other than Minnie Driver. So for him to choose her isn't necessarily the typical romantic end of a Hollywood film. Whilst I agree with you, it just seemed too cheesy for my liking. However... The reason why he's chosen her is because it's not just a single part of him that he's given. He's given the whole of him mm. and he's not going to get that with anyone else. He's, he's made that decision. If someone already wants him that way, why is he going to let that, that slip away? So, you know, he leaves a note for Sean and says, uh, if uh, tell Professor Lumbo I'm sorry, but tell him I've, got, I've gone to see, see about a girl. And Sean obviously gets a little bit annoyed. He goes, bastard stolen my line. Which, you know, for me, again, we've said about it in the past, when your student is quoting you back, it's essentially a sign of, you know, that growth that learning and you've obviously had an impact on them yeah and I, I guess what I do like is that it doesn't end in a cheesy them embracing type moment it ends with him just driving out into the distance and I, I like endings like that where it, it is genuinely open ended and there are a lot of questions left by that ending do you think um, they stay together I don't think it's important I don't I think you're right completely in that what she represents although I'm iffy on you know female characters just being used to represent things for men rather than just being their own characters but what she represents is him just being a fuller human being isn't it and actually openly participating in being a human being in having emotions and expressing them and not just being a little dickhead and being horrible mm. to everyone because you can sean's taught him then to just be a better human and that is way more important than teaching him how to be a brilliant academic even if he decides to never step foot in a university again and doesn't do what Einstein did and doesn't provide theories that lead to the, the advancement of mankind because that MIT scene really makes it seem like you know the atomic bomb was created by brilliant scientists right about science being used or brains being used for governments right which I think is a rightful cynicism so it doesn't matter if he never does that because what matters is he's learned to just be a humbler and kinder human being even if he never has a wikipedia page and no one ever knows his name again <laughs> that's actually what the film says is important but I, I, I actually think it's quite refreshing to see that that he, what he learns is to become more humble and i think that is a valuable lesson the other thing i think that's valuable about it is that this is if you think about it from the school frame just to bring it back to the purpose of our podcast he's like an hba kid right he's a kid who you would who is always going to be in advance of what you're trying to teach, right? He'd be a nightmare in the classroom because he would already know what you were talking about and would have an opinion about it. And what I get, I think what you can maybe take away from this film then is that teaching someone like this who's really intelligent and does a lot of their own research really just involves giving them the space to do that. So rather than feeling like you need to teach, he can't really be taught anything, really. You just need to give them space to express their own creativity yeah. and intelligence. And I think you'll find this, the, the longer you teach, well, the more you come across those students, you learn. And, you know, initially I struggled with students like Will um, because it would be that they used to run the show and they used to take over the lesson and 
other students would feel like they were being neglected. You soon learn to utilise that kind of intelligence within your classroom and almost have them as your second teacher in the classroom. I don't know how it's going to work with COVID and all of that, but genuinely, I, I enjoy having a student like Will in my classroom when we're doing group work, because you can leave someone like Will, lead a session with a small group while you go and help another group that needs your support. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe what we can also take away is what he really requires is for someone to really look him in the eyes and recognise his intelligence but also challenge him right and not Mm. just praise him praise him and say he's great and say he's genius what really works is when Sean in that lakeside scene really says to him like you're actually like an arrogant little shit if I actually talk to you about romance you just reel off sonnets like you have all this knowledge but you don't understand any of it and so they require someone to actually genuinely challenge them Mm. so I guess coming to the framing I think this is a film that messes up our framing in in a good way in that you can't rank the teaching in this film on a, a silly Ofsted ranking. It's impossible no, because right. it's about it's not about the quality. There's no classroom teaching. There's no learning being... There is a lot of learning, but not traditional learning, mm. right? And you see the value of all the learning that happens outside what we traditionally think of as education. Mm. So it messes up our system in a good way. It shows us that actually trying to rank teachers inadequate or excellent really is a, such a small part of teaching mm, right absolutely and i think a lot of people would agree it wouldn't pass the bechdel the, test yeah absolutely and that's the other thing this is i mean we didn't really touch on the fact this is a miramax film right, right. and this is one of the films that led to harvey weinstein becoming such a huge figure in hollywood mm-hmm. and all of the miramax films for the most part i think feature this type of girlfriend character i've seen people parody this kind of girlfriend character who mm. just only exists to support the brilliant male genius that yeah. she knows and so if we look at this one through a gender lens it's definitely got a lot of shortcomings absolutely so it's failed the bechdel test given that i have avoided watching this for so long i was pleasantly surprised and i'm glad that i watched it good Thank you for listening to us today. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Film Class Pod and also on Instagram on the same handle. Also, you can send us an email at filmclasspod at gmail.com. Send us over any comments, any suggestions. Thank you so much as well to Kevin McLeod for our music, Night in Venice. You can find all of Kevin's work in competech.filmmusic.io and the license is at Creative Commons. See you next week. See ya.